Hello, welcome to Roll Point Exchange. This is Adam, and today we're going to be discussing a few odd things. But first and foremost, so there's a couple guests I have here today. Well, fuck, I'm going to have to edit my ass out early on this. Okay. <laughs> already. You yep. Already. Hey, <laughs> it's Noah. I haven't been here in a while. Adam, are you going to be editing the episode or is it going to be a hack? <laughs> Getting on to the subject matter, and that was our good friend Patrick. Do me a favor, uh, Noah, real quick. Just be mm-hmm. sure to point out to Chris multiple times that you were here and he was not. <laughs> I will. I will do that. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So, uh, gentlemen, I'm glad I could have you all here today. I know that you're probably mourning the loss of what will soon be Google Plus. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes. Big crocodile tears for <laughs> Google Plus. Didn't they like give away just everybody's personal information? Yeah, I wasn't aware of that until I like I went to go look up like why we're doing an episode partially about Google Plus. <laughs> yeah, now you have to go check and see if your identity's been stolen. Yeah. Thanks, Google. <laughs> mm. I don't want anybody but Google having my personal information. Thank you very much. You've essentially written your personal information on the bathroom wall of the internet. Yeah. So, yeah, as you were talking about a moment ago, that kind of inspired me to look and pilfer through the remains of this burning ship as it goes down around me. And, you know, we kind of decided to branch off a bit of that and talk about some other fan-made content that one can find out there. So this particular episode is going to be about fan-generated content. And I think I would like to go ahead and hit you guys with what I've found. So as uh, for those of you listening at home and don't, don't <laughs> haven't freely given away your personal information yet, I'm sorry, but as of, I think, February 2nd or February 4th, I'm not going to double-check that email. You can no longer sign up for this great service called Google+. Yes, the ship has sailed. But if you have already jeopardized your entire financial security for you know the rest of your life, you might as well go pilfering through the remains of this dumpster fire. Because, you know what, I think I found quite a few nice little resources. Now, most of these are for the, you know, built around the Powered by the Apocalypse system. But our good buddy, Aaron, has been working on a campaign of mass that we'll launch sometimes this year. And it kind of got me thinking. So as I was pilfering through the remains of Google+, Plus, I did find that the mass community on Google+, Plus has a really nice setup here. So if one was to go there, they don't have necessarily very much as far as like scenarios one could play. But since it's superheroes, you can find a bunch of different hacks out there or, you know, playbooks, if you will, for different types of character classes. Like, for example, I have been able to find on there if I wanted to go super edgelord and make a play as a somewhat crappy, because I didn't like it, movie star, I could play as Venom. You could actually have your own symbiote. Nice. Yeah, it's it's not too bad. I mean, it kind of works out the whole angst thing. Or we could play Carnage or Toxin or Anti-Venom or was it Savage? There's, oh, I have to find that Wikipedia Screamer, list of Lash, Yeah. Lash. There's a bunch. Um, I was just going to say, what part of the, the Venom playbooks makes you jump into a lobster tank? Mm. Oh, God, I got to check that out. I don't think it's a power. I think it's uh, kind of a... That's more of a, a role-playing choice. Yeah, really. It's, oh, okay. Okay. 
but I thought that was really cool. And I like the fact that, you know, I've seen some of these resources out on like drive through RPG for monster of the week that, you know, somebody, somebody did put this stuff together and did the layout. So it's worth some two bucks. Cause I did a- Adam. Yeah. I hate to interrupt, but I just totally remembered. We do kind of have to give thanks to Google plus. Do you remember why we have to give thanks to Google plus? I don't remember. Remind me. There was a Google Plus group we were linked to on the RPPR forums that I went into and posted the initial, hey, I need playtesters oh. for No Soul. Oh, I feel like I just forgot our anniversary. Fuck. I know, right? <laughs> so that's how I got uh, <laughs> you, Chris, Darth, and Zach. Yeah, it was something? Zach. Yeah, that's totally how I found you guys. So we do have that one thing to thank for Google Plus. <laughs> so as you're getting a new social security you know, number you can just kind of look at that silver lining. But yeah, oh man, I, I forgot. And that. and wow. here we are today. All thanks <laughs> to that. Google Plus. Yeah, but anyway, what were some other things you found on on Google Plus other than my personal information? <laughs> well, there was also an, a unique kind of for mass. If you dig around through the filters on the website, they had a, a nice little playbook for a character who was a superhero. But now you've regressed into a teenager somehow. So I guess the Benjamin Button playbook? I can't remember exactly it's, what that one is. It might be like Cyclops after Cyclops went crazy, so they just got another Cyclops from the past. No, that's the thing that happened in Marvel. There's a teenage Cyclops running around and adult Cyclops is dead. <laughs> yeah, oh it's Comics are weird. It's also sort of a, a Detective Conan kind of thing. Now, there, I did find, if you also go through this, this is one I really wanted to mention to y'all because they actually have a Persona playbook. Okay. Okay. And, you know, it looks pretty interesting, so we could probably all play Persona with this, but you live a, <laughs> the identity, you live a double life in a heroin community. By day, you're a mild-mannered hero saving old ladies from burning buildings, but by night, you're a vengeous personified. So it's... Not how I remembered Persona being. So <laughs> no, I, I don't no. think it's actually Persona. Does it? Is it just? Is it just called the Persona, or does it explicitly say if you want to play Persona, this is how? I, this is actually just called the Persona because actually, what I was thinking was of your hack that you found for Blades in the Dark. Yes, yes. So that was sort of we did find a, another hub, uh, quite quite productive. I found some really good stuff on there for uh, hacks of uh, Blades in the Dark, and and they. SID engine is for Forge in the Dark. So one of them we did find was, I think it's called Our Lonely World, where it goes for this more um, psychodrama, inception-y, persona-y, instead of breaking into vaults, you're investigating the mindscapes. Uh, Hmm. And it's it's a pretty rich space, uh, that that hack. I am kind of sad to see that go, but thankfully, like, fucking every one of them has an Itch.io page at this point. Yeah. (laughs) They've gotten the signal and they've gone overboard. Yeah, so I tell you what, I've shared a little bit of the monster, uh, not monster, excuse me, the mass Google Plus page. But if anyone kind of was interesting, you have till April second, so this is going to post in mid February. So you got a month, kind of go over there, pilfer through that particular page, and I mean, there's definitely more character types, and that's what you would actually pick up at at least this particular link I've got for you, just different playbooks for different character types. So you're going to put the, the link in the description? Yeah, I would like to put, for this episode, I will be including links to everything that we discuss. So, 
uh, even individual stuff. If Well, we'll see about that. I'll put at least a link to the main page and they can hit the filter. So just so I don't end up talking nonstop on this, Patrick, uh, you do. You, why don't you give us a Blades hack that you found or if you would like to elaborate on on the Persona one, if there's anything else to add. The Persona one isn't one I've I've dug too deep into. A few of them I have found have been like some interesting, like complete genre shifts. One, um, one I have I've run a few sessions of actually is called a Nocturne, uh, which is by Callum Grace, uh, who is a I believe a Dublin-based uh, designer, and it is one of the things he's done is he's not just taken it to sci-fi, but also um, ratcheted the the scale up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. which you sort of have to do with sci-fi. So one of the main things that changes is a factor of time because it's hard sci-fi and there's no FTL. Uh, so you're the crew of this big, weird transhuman spaceship like um, Lex or, or a culture ship. And you can like jump between star systems, but you have to go into cryosleep. And by the time you get there, decades have passed. So mm-hmm. good luck with that. Uh, and I've run a few of that. Uh, we, we, we ran it uh, as play testers. So it was a bit rough at first. Uh, the playbooks were a bit more specialized towards sci-fi so there's one for someone who has um you know a, a relationship with their ship and they're the pilot or someone who is engineered towards being destructive the weirdness angle in that setting is more like singularity technology mm-hmm. so like though the weird person there is like <laughs> my hand is a swarm of nanomachines enjoy it also had some quite fun setting creation rules so i i ended up whipping up my own space se- sector segment uh, which was called the Diodand because it kept having Diodand uh, means a thing surrendered unto God. Okay, uh, and it's because on, on the random table I kept rolling alien god thing when it was randomly nice. generating it. So there's like there were like three alien god things. It's like okay, no one goes to that bit of space because the Alathotep is there. <laughs> it's just space Olympus where all the gods hang out. Well, no, it's it's specifically the weird shit. So, like, one of them mm. was a, a a floating black pyramid that orbited a white star and was decaying it. It was just eating this star. Another thing was a, a disc of it was an orb or a disc of flesh that like rocked up into an inhabited system and just like basked in the sunlight, but by its mere presence, mm-hmm. fucked up local gravity and orbits and like plunged a, a bunch of inhabited planets into the sun. So, you know, that was fun. That sounds pretty <laughs> cool. That does sound like an awesome. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Um, I've, I'll I'll share some of the the notes i made on that setting when i was writing it but yeah the 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 basics of it weren't too different to blades otherwise like you had flashbacks you had um stress and the rolling mechanics were the same one hack i found that i did quite enjoy uh in how it married theme and mechanics was i believe it's called wardens in the garden okay which is you are members of the secret police of a mm, jackbooted dictatorship uh, following a demonic incursion. So it gets into like a lot more shades of pretty dark gray. <laughs> uh, hmm. uh, in that you're, you're kind of part of the oppression. Like we, could just, we just could not get Chris to do this because it has authoritarianism as a theme and that's a, a trigger for him. But it, it incentivizes like one of the things I realized like, oh yeah, that this isn't like glamorizing fascism. It says you're a monster. And the way it does that is it gives you way less stress to work with, but way more traumas, which if you don't know, uh, blades, when you max out on stress, which is your meta currency, like you're not dead, but you take a trauma, which mm. is, um, like you have become vicious. If you weren't before mm. you have become, uh, and, and it gives you like a much longer list and in Wounds of the Garden and stuff like you have alienated a loved one 
uh, and stuff like that. So like, no, you are, you are playing the monster and you are going to get these traumas um, in the course of this. So I thought, I thought that was quite interesting uh, and I'd like to give that a go. Oh, I actually have already read that and <laughs> I've kind of got my own uh, plans for that. That's the one I was mentioned to you yeah. beforehand, Noah, the, the uh, black company ish kind of mm, setting. Yeah. I think it would lend itself. No, it looks pretty awesome. Yeah, people uh, have like five stress in that instead of ten. Mm-hmm. So you, you you trauma out a lot faster. I, I I haven't managed to actually play any of the the Forge in the Dark games, so I'm definitely like interested to get my hands on on some of these. So oh, they're they're great. We're kind of already working on bits and pieces on a yeah. you know campaign that Patrick's running for us. Well, the campaign we're playing is itself a hack. Uh, yeah. The the version we're playing is uh, a Legionnaires hack, which is a modification of the Bravo's crew type, which is the the, the gang type for um, violent criminals, thugs as opposed to cat burglars, people who kick in the door and, and demand your money. Uh, and this like dials up the, your capacity for violence by saying you are former soldiers hmm. uh, who have just come back from not World War One uh, or not the Boer War, probably, uh, and can't adjust to civilian life because you're all horrifically traumatized and society is rejecting you, so you turn to a life of crime. You know, I, if only we didn't already start another war in that game, Noah. It's already well, not an official war, but it's a gang war. But, you know. Yeah, it's like what, session session two, session three? Uh, yeah, session two. That's what who, we... Who actually started the gang war? Daniel. Dan- okay. All right. I was kind of <laughs> expecting Chris, but... No, he actually missed that one out. He wasn't in that session. Oh, well then. <laughs> Leave it to the Dane to do it. I mean, he would have in that scenario as well. He would have acted the same way, I think. Listen, like the, the scenario was essentially like a bigger gang turned up and said, hey, you've been making a lot of noise and you're a bigger and like we're a lot bigger than you. So either you work for us or we're just going to stump you. And they said, okay, enjoy stumping. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot less monologue if Chris had done it. <laughs> yeah. Good times. Well, cool. So, uh, not to give away all of, the, all of Patrick's goodies, but I do want to touch on the gem of my research here. So, you know, I've really have been kind of coming into my own on game mastering over the past two years, just because I've been more or less content for most of my life to actually just let other people run games. So now, hey, I've got a podcast and I should do this. So I've been really interested in blades and running blades, obviously, and I'm. Also, like I just finished up a Powered by the Apocalypse game of Velvet Glove that Ian just finished up. We played with RPPR's David and Sean, which we had a blast, and that'll also be up eventually. But um, Monster of the Week has been something that I kind of want to cut my teeth on, on the Powered by the Apocalypse like game mastering setup here. And in all seriousness, this is the crown gem of everything I've found. The Monster of the Week page is called Monster of the Week Roadhouse. Definitely Google it or check out my show notes. But whereas most of them just have playbooks, this one's divided up with playbooks, hunters, and mysteries. So you got a, quite a bit more content to go through on here. Uh, how the, how much how much throat ripping happens in this version? Uh, well, I think quite a bit. And there's okay. also yeah, there's God. I'm trying to find the one I'm looking for. Obviously, I'm trying to find the one I'm looking for here. Fuck. <laughs> That makes sense, don't it? Now that I said yeah, that, totally. <laughs> and now I somehow ended up on Monster Hearts. But... Oh man, I've missed the way you talk, Adam. 
Well, I'm always here, buddy. You can always make it back to me. <laughs> but the actual, like I said, there's several uh, hunter types, but the mysteries are, are the best thing that you can find on here. And this, I, I, play, I pray that this community will develop or go over the Reddit or whatnot. Just tons of different stuff. Like here's a mystery, one called Ghoul in the High Castle, which is undead Adolf Hitler is somehow became say. a ghoul, you know. Yeah. Uh, Taiwan hiding in uh, South America. He inhabits a reduced and crudely constructed model of fur bunker in a neighboring basement of a house next to a hunter. This basement is a death trap. He obtains <laughs> funds for fresh treats from corrupt morgues to by writing for far right internet blogs under the current AS Jose Schickelgruber and intended for a small party. So, yeah, if you want to fight zombie Hitler on your Monster of the Week campaign, and there's actually the Fuhrer nice. next door. <laughs> well, you know, over here in America, I, I'm starting to think we had the Fuhrer next door in quite a lot of places, really. From- <laughs> yeah, we do too. I mean, you know, Jacob Rees-Mogg. What? I mean, sorry, what? Oh, <laughs> uh, life is depressing. <laughs> <laughs> that it is. That's why we will delve into fantasy. But yeah, there's tons of like great information on here, and apparently the it's going to go away, but. Like I said, several different deals. And here's the thing: I got there's in the Monster of the Week book. There is really only well, like most RPGs, there's only one little test scenario, and it's really nice. Don't get me wrong, but for me to actually figure out how to write a game, I got to like read it several times, receive several iterations of it, just kind of get the format in my head. And while powered by the Apocalypse game, you could probably fit a scenario onto a single page with concept a hook and a countdown and you know a couple of npcs and stuff like that it's just kind of checking these things out over and over if kind of and they've also got blank templates but it's kind of helped me out so yeah you can there's there's even that particular game here where you can play the twilight zone episode where william shatter was on an airplane and a ghoul was on the wing of it there's something out on the wing <laughs> some <laughs> thing <laughs> This particular episode is by Mark Taggart, and it was called Nightmare at 30,000 Feet. So, yeah, definitely go check that one out. So, Noah, Mm -hmm. now, we kind of threw you into this, Uh and I I apologize. but pulled me back in. (laughs) I was almost free. Damn it, bastard. (laughs) But we kind of, we've invested a lot of our time in Delta Green. And do you have, you have some Delta Green goodies for us? Boy, have we. <laughs> um, some might say too much time in Delta Green. Um, so yeah, so there's a, a great kind of a wiki called the, the, the Fairfield Project, which it's designed primarily for Delta Green, but you can also use it for um, like modern day uh, Call of Cthulhu type stuff. Um, and it's got a bit of like, canon stuff for like quick and easy access but it's also got a bunch of like fan-made stuff so there's like npcs um a bunch of like scenarios and stuff like that along with like fan fiction and things like that that you can use to like help flesh out your game um i was actually just looking at like their organizations page that they have on here and they have like um some some expanded like groups especially for like europe for their own sort of like Delta Green. So they actually have like some uh, French and German based, uh, like their version of Delta Green, kind of similar to like Pisces or, or, um, but playable. Yeah. So yeah. So there's a bunch of stuff in there. There's 
some NPCs that they've created. There's write-ups on like tradecraft and some scenarios and stuff like that for people to use. Uh, I want to say that the Fairfield project, like the people behind it also do like, are also a part of like the Delta Green mailing list and they help with the shotgun scenarios and stuff like that, that they do every year. Mm-hmm. So you can find a lot of info on that kind of stuff on here as well. Um, they've also got like uh, write-ups on like special items and stuff like that, fan-made items and tomes and, and all that kind of good stuff. So it's definitely a a good resource for Delta Green players that want to kind of step outside a little bit of like the established canon stuff and find something that's still going to be about on par with that level of writing. Yeah. It, well, if I'm not mistaken, and I may have to edit this shit out a little bit later, but didn't Last Things Last originally appear at the Fairfield Project before they put it in the Delta Green uh, I want to say it started as a a short story, like a fan fiction short story that then got adapted into a shotgun scenario that then became the like the pretty much the uh, starter scenario for Delta Gray. And once they made it its own uh, standalone role playing system outside of Call of Cthulhu, found I found yeah. the actual write up for it. It was probably it was made in two thousand seven two thousand eight by Brett Kramer. Hmm. So they, they've still got Good it. Job. They got the original one on there. Of course, you know, well, they even got the the witch, or not the witch, but Marlene, the wife, statted out. So mm-hmm. pretty cool. I know I know that uh, Adam Scott Glancy did a write-up of it, too, that appeared in one of the... Um, yeah, it's like the intro scenario in the new edition, basically. It's like yeah. it's, the, it's the scenario in the back of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The story may have actually made it into Shotgun Cthulhu. I can't remember which thing it, his story was actually published in. Right. So, yeah. yeah. It's it's definitely been super helpful for you know people running Delta Green. It's definitely aimed at like the keeper or the the handler, whichever term you want to use. Yeah, but it's it's one of those things. And I know like the whole Delta Green community is like tied in through a bunch of different places like this. There's um, the Reddit, which I think is was it the I think just ask less Delta Green. What do you or do you mean Night at the Opera? Yeah, there's the Night at the Opera, which I know is like a big kind of like in-universe kind of thing, um, like an ongoing campaign, like a bunch of people running stuff all in like the same universe kind of thing. There's that. There's like the the, the regular Delta Green Reddit. There's uh, a bunch of different places like the the mailing list on Yahoo, which I think is still around. Yeah. is um, was like one of the first like really big resources. You can find a whole bunch of stuff on there too. Yeah. I know there are these scenarios written by Mel and Brad that you I think you can find on Night of the Opera. The Reddit page are pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they did their own um, scenario, shotgun scenario, or just scenario contests, and then also mm-hmm. uh, set piece contests, which was a little different. Mm-hmm. Which was um, writing up things to to plug into a campaign or a scenario anywhere. So it was like you know a um, you know what, what might happen at a. Uh, uh, police checkpoint kind of thing, or mm-hmm. a, a set of rules for well, if they get caught up in legal trouble, here's a little snippet that you can take them through. I listened to the uh, Green Box podcast. Uh, was yeah, I think it's what's it called? Green Box podcast, Patrick. What is yes, it? Yes, it is yeah. called Green Box. Okay. The- I do. Listen, I listened to that, and they were discussing one of the things they had uh, that was a cleaner service, like. You know, so yeah, that was the one that ended up winning the competition, and I was I was a judge on that competition, and like you know, it was it was good because it had it was a cleaning service that 
could be connected to the Russian mob. Like it was written in such a way that it could go in like three different directions. It might be involved in the mythos. It might be legit, but like adjacent to something shady, or it might be uh, like a Russian front. Mm-hmm. It's like a like a crime scene cleanup service yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, which, you know, God knows we need those out there. Yeah, I, I didn't mind losing to that one. It was really well done. Patrick, you said, uh, I think there's a couple more hacks, and I've got another Powered by the Apocalypse thing I want to kind of elaborate on with you on this. So so Blaze also has a Google Plus community. And while you're not going to find so much actual scenarios or something like that, which, you know, well, quite frankly, it's, they're all generated at the table anyway, you can find a lot of yeah, usually. There's a NPC generator that they have soundtrack. They do have provide some pre-gens. There's a whole sheet. So if, you know, somebody drops in middle of the night, you can kind of drop them into it. And uh, one of the things I like the most, and I'll share you this link at this exact moment, because I think you'll like it, is a score generator. So let me drop this in here. You guys are listening to this live. Well, it's not live when you listen to it, but whatever. But sh- so, Noah. Mm-hmm. Your score, you are working with a laborer or tradesman who wants you to blackmail or discredit a vampire or other member of the undead at the serene or silent or at a serene or silent location to trouble train killers and thugs. So mm. it gets you and the twist, you must visit the Deathlands to do this job. The Deathlands are the bits outside the city. Ah, of course. The no man's land. Where ghosts is well, ghosts are everywhere. <laughs> But yeah, I've never actually ran the game myself, but I thought this all... Uh, yeah, I mean, sure. as you say, a lot of how Blades works is very player-led. So you can't, just from the nature of the game, well, you, you you can, but it's very unusual, put out like a pre-written scenario. Like There are, there are a couple, like um, Lord Skullock Must Die was based off of one, the one shot I did. Yeah, But, but basically what that is, is it's like one... You could probably print it out on like a business card size of thing. Uh, it's not very much text. It's like a very int- simple like location, like um, a big society party, and then like three categories that had like three variations of like potential twist, potential client, and a potential set scene, a uh, set piece that would take place there. And that's kind of it because you don't know how the they're gonna approach it you don't know what their plan is going to be so you you can't quite write that runner so yeah a lot of the hacks you'll see of the fan created content you'll see in the blades community is more along the lines of you'd say like new character types or new crew types or new uh rule systems and and setting variations because you can't quite do a scenario what was uh, some of the other the hacks that you saw Cause i know there's another of your hacks that i'm particularly interested in as well well there was dogs in the park which is about playing a pack of dogs. Uh, nice. Uh, and that's sort of a, a little a little lighthearted isn't quite the word for it, but, uh, you know, it's, it's that Call of Cthulhu or the Warren, you know, Watership Down thing of uh, uh, playing it out. Yeah. Kind of campy, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see, what else did we have? I mean, Scum and Villainy obviously started off as a hack. As uh, a sci-fi, we had Our Lonely World, we had Wardens in the Dark. Sorry, uh, there we go. Copperhead County, which was a uh, I, I would f- I, I would feel better if it was described in Adam's accent. A Copperhead County is set up in the rural South. I think Tennessee is maybe where it is, and it's just you're kind of Dukes of Hazzarding fighting against a man in this corrupt ca- 
corrupt small town Americana set up and you know obviously you're corrupt as well I've, I like it obviously because it's southern and <laughs> but <laughs> no trust me I don't like a lot of things southern have you tried oh Patrick when you go to Gen Con we'll get you uh, a country fried steak we'll show you that abomination oh god <laughs> country fried like you get you get some dirt in there like what is country fried <laughs> it's you've bred it up like it is chicken and then you fry it, and then you slaver it with white gravy. Tell me a chicken fried this steak. <laughs> but the, uh, the reason I'm really interested in Copperhead County is that I've, uh, in my head for the past two years, I've dreamed about running a scenario where you are working in a mining town in Appalachia that is basically ran by, you know, the coal mining company. So there's a country, the company store. Blah blah blah, and you know, I think that if I were, I need to do just a tad bit more research on it before I start drafting stuff up. There's a um, nice documentary from I think like the 70s or 80s called Harlan County, USA, which I uh, may be like an hour and a half away from Harlan County, but uh, you know where it goes over the, the minor strikes and stuff like that. And I think with that, you know, Southern setup with the heist and stuff like that i think it would be nice if you were stuck in this you know remote rural town and you're you're fighting a man who obviously has government backing and money and is there anything that i missed on that description sounds good so far i mean (laughs) so it's it's sort of i think the idea we had was like playing members of a uh like when i say a crime family i mean literally like a family or something along those lines, you know, the so-and-so clan or, or whatever. <laughs> Bunch of goddamn Hatfields up in this bitch. <laughs> uh, Hatfield-McCoy game would actually be very good. <laughs> According to my grandmother, I'm kin to the Hatfields. <laughs> really? Yeah. Does All that right. make sense now? <laughs> A little bit. I mean... <laughs> you better not steal my pigs, though. I'm sorry. I'll uh, fucking cut you. <laughs> I, I always kind of knew, like, through my heart of hearts, but... Getting confirmation is always. He always had kind of a Hatfieldy look to him. Eyes <laughs> <laughs> a little too close together, I guess. I get it. Oh, God. Anyway, <laughs> I'm getting rather sidetracked on that. And there was one more I can think of a hack that you mentioned beforehand. Isn't there a Weird West one? Did you get uh, Yes. A uh, Fistful of Darkness, it's called. I haven't actually looked too closely into that one. Because uh, th- there are a lot. Um, Blades being so light has actually, I think, made it quite popular with hacking. Uh, seen so like i've seen ones about being monsters running a dungeon uh, i've seen uh, plenty of fantasy ones pirate ones quests on a pilgrimage uh, i've seen cyberpunky ones and you know like playing the yakuza like there's there's a lot <laughs> i didn't have time to look at all of them i'm afraid no 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 i wouldn't put that on you all all that on you man but it's it's awesome to find that and i think it's super cool that the blades community has taken those roles and just ran with it so much like noah be honest dude when he said dogs in a park what dog were you thinking about playing i think we all know the answer to that question <laughs> I, I don't know where a shiba would come from in the blade setting i guess i guess tickeros <laughs> i mean it, i'm sure they have some sort of spitz breed dog so long as i have pointy ears and a curly tail i'm fine <laughs> You come from the Doggo Islands. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Isle of Dogs. <laughs> That's a movie. Got it's that a reference. pun because the Dagger Islands is a place in Blades. <laughs> Sorry. 
I get it now. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you got the joke. It's very important to me. <laughs> <laughs> now, Patrick, you have actually played with doing a little bit of hacking of your own? Um, yeah. I mean, as you say, a lot of this stuff is community-led. So, like, one of the first things I did when, when doing sort of fan community content is actually for Red Markets. I wrote an induction packet, which was a bunch of um, setting neutral jobs. Uh, and that was, it, it wasn't particularly complicated mechanically, but the idea was essentially that each job would revolve around a key concept. I found when I was introducing the game to people, I had to have like a 20 minute spiel because it's like, it's a really dense setting and it's really like uh, involved design process behind it to explain some of the concepts. So I was just like, okay, now I'll, I'll, I'll boil it down to this job is about the life cycle of a zombie. This job is about the Romero effect. Uh, and that, that um, was quite a, a fun experience. And it went down quite well. I found a few podcasts that have adopted one of my scenarios um, called And Now the Weather. And that's been run a few times. And that was, a, that was quite fun. Yeah. Uh, the, the premise of that job is um, that a, a, a zoologist wants to study zombies as a herd animal. Uh, so the job is, here's a crossbow with some tags on them. Please don't kill any zombies. <laughs> wow. We needed to tag the specimens and then let them wander into the wild. You can't kill them because that invalidates the data. <laughs> I can just see somebody just run it up and tag. Like you have to tackle one and risk life and limb just to tag it on the ear and just set it loose back in its natural habitat. It's like a weird <laughs> zombie version of Twister. Yeah, because the idea was that that the concept that job revolves around is zombies are the weather in red markets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's this lady trying to set up a weather detection system. Like, oh shit, zombies are coming. Why? Well, because the ones that are tagged are getting near. Oh shit, <laughs> that's that's pretty great. I like that. That is pretty cool. It, it was quite an important lesson in in like um, if you're writing for a fan community audience, like be super clear in your language, even if like you like this turn of phrase or it it ends up being a little wordier. Like be explicit. One of the original draftings of it, the twist of this scenario is okay. The zombies you're going to go and tag have been spotted just like hanging around a strip mall, just just like loose. Um, but when you get there, you see they're not actually like loose they have been um put in bear traps uh, and a survivor colony in the strip mall is using them as guard dogs because like no one's gonna think that place is inhabited because there are zombies outside Hmm. but then i heard a playthrough where they looked at that and said oh there are guard dog zombies there are zombies that are dogs you're now fighting a, 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 like six aberrants and it's like oh that wasn't intended <laughs> Oops, my bad. <laughs> and then I had to go and rewrite it. So yeah, um, if you are creating stuff that you plan to put out on a forum or on a um, Google Drive somewhere and just share a link around about, like, be clear that you, are, in terms of like what everything is functioning as, and maybe don't use imagery too often, um, like metaphorical language in that sense. <laughs> write a stereo manual. Yeah, I mean, technical writing is a is a skill. <laughs> yeah. We actually also played in a game. Well, we did the first episode. It's just kind of on hiatus at the moment here. But you also did a little bit of a hack for base raiders. And yeah, so that was called Dead Shift. Uh, the idea for that was like I'd picked up. I found it on like in the discount bin at my local game store, which isn't a good sign. Uh, a game called Rotted Capes, 
which is basically the Marvel Zombies comics RPG. Uh, so, uh, you know, a, a superhero setting and then a zombie outbreak happened. But I also sort of was reading this and going like, uh, it's got its own system and I'd like to do a one shot of this setting, but I also kind of don't want to like learn a whole system just to do a setting. Well, what set, what systems do I know that could handle this? Uh, so we, we went with base raiders and I, and I cooked up a mechanic for what happens if you get bit and how to handle, cause this is where like the two, uh, genre assumptions were kind of clashing the power fantasy of, um, superheroes versus like death can come at any time zombie apocalypse stuff. Mm-hmm. So I had to like wh- whip up some rules and, and also like a setting change. Cause I was like, I, I like to come up with settings. Mm-hmm. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I had to come up with the rules for like, what, well, what happens if you get bit? Well, I mean, if you're going for like a powerful character, it has to be able to do damage, but there also has to be like the universal threat of anyone can be infected. So, uh, yeah, so I ended up writing up some rules for that. But that was about the extent of the hacking of the the game, and then the rest of the the create like mechanically wise, um, and then the rest of it was more uh, setting information, coming up with like, okay, where would be safe in a super zombie apocalypse uh what concepts can we mash up and and how does it also fit with base raiders which is about bases and exploring them uh but that mesh actually ended up meshing fairly well with uh zombie rpg because that's all about scavenging and base raiders is about scavenging <laughs> it's about going into the back cave and pulling the copper wiring out the walls like that that, that scans mm-hmm. it's just you're going down and stealing batman's mres instead of the copper wiring <laughs> Knowing that game, I played a man who uh, sold his like sold his soul to the devil, so I could, uh, you know, I was kind of a wish demon, I guess. After that point, uh huh. You went down to the the crossroads. Mm-hmm. And- well, my brother did. I, I got dragged into it, but I found myself because we just posted uh, the uh, Deadlands game that you ran way back in yeah. the summer of 2017, and I was mm-hmm. playing a preacher so apparently i've got some religious issues i was working out in that game as well. <laughs> I, I never would have guessed <laughs> so patrick seem like you've done quite a bit of uh work with hacking systems do you have any kind of advice you could pass along say if i were going to i don't know make my own weird west uh potb style game which we actually talked about many years ago um yeah i mean uh i would say like Specifically, Power by Focus, I don't know a huge amount about that, so I couldn't uh, offer too specific stuff. But uh, in general, I would say find the closest thing and then work out what steps it's not taken, right? And then sort of go from there. Um, so, you know, so have a look at what is already out there. We, we are in a golden age. There is a plethora. Uh, and so read around and find what isn't scratching your itch and what is scratching your itch and try and sort of fill in the gaps from there. So for instance, uh, I, uh, let's say, let's, let's say instead of powered by the apocalypse, you are a D 20 fan. Uh, but you have this idea for a character based on Dante from devil may cry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you want to make a character class or a race or something that could, that can get that experience. Well, how would you do that? Well, tieflings are kind of a thing. Okay. So if we're making this character, we can, we can, borrow some elements from tieflings and then what is the experience you want to do uh, with what i'm very good at words <laughs> what, what what is the experience you want the mechanics to induce let's put it like that 
so let's say you want Weird West. Okay, that means you want ranged combat to be a thing. That means you probably want a degree of weirdness, so you probably want a system that can accommodate supernatural effects. Okay, there's going to be plenty of that. Power by Apocalypse is good because it has a lot of things where you can like assemble things out of keywords and turn that into a thing, so that's probably a good, that's probably a good uh, system already. And then you're probably going to want something along the lines of a uh, a travel system, uh, because a lot of Wild West stuff is about like the quest for the the get revenge on the guy who killed my dad or or find this this lost thing. Uh, so you'd probably want a system that doesn't just make you go and now you're here. Uh, so you probably want to look into like Dungeon World, which has a, a system. so like when we're talking about hacking, we're also talking about not just creating from whole cloth. We're also talking about like taking a something from A and something from B and something from C and then nailing them together because that often creates something that is eh, maybe it's not entirely new but it's interesting yeah and it can it can end up doing something soon. and then if you look at what you've nailed together and then you go ah but I was really hoping to have a really involved crafting mechanic for some reason because I'm a sadist <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you want to go and, and 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 that's when you might start looking like okay I, I, I need this painting my wagon mechanic. Uh, <laughs> I, I have to paint this wagon. I have to paint it good. I have to use oil-based paint. Uh, <laughs> no, wait. <laughs> I, I'm going to paint it fine. I'm going to use oil-based paint because the wood is pine. Yes. And there we go. Uh, okay. And that's when you start going like, okay, well, I can't find anything like this. And then you might even want to, like at this point, go to your players and start talking. Because yeah. uh, it's it's great to just be a lone genius laboring up in your cold garret and and starving for your art. But I mean, it's a game. You kind of want to make sure you're making something fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then run it. Yeah. So I come up with some rough ideas and then run them by the players first. So like when I was hacking um, base raiders to make dead shift, I, I knew I wanted definitely wanted the zombie bite mechanic and a mechanic for dealing with zombie hordes. And I had the idea that well you're also the managers of this survivor community. And I could come up with mechanics for managing like hunger stuff, breaking down in your facility uh, and, and different threats like that. But I brought it to you guys as like, Hey, this is an idea I had. And everyone went like, yeah, that sounds not fun. And I was like, yep, no, no, that's completely fair. <laughs> let's not, <laughs> let's not do that. Bit. When you, when you're making a game, you want to make sure that people are actually going to want to play that game. <laughs> so yeah, no, that, yeah. Didn't, that didn't stop continuum now. I, hey, I'm sure somebody out there wants to play Continuum. <laughs> Continuum, uh, I think, is uh, great because it proves that RPGs can qualify as outsider art. <laughs> yes. Yes, it can. As somebody who's held a Continuum book, not even a core yeah, Continuum I own a book, I have yeah, I've held the, the supplement to Continuum in his hands. God, that is such a bizarre game. <laughs> oh, God. So it seems like if one of the big things that one might want to consider when you're thinking about doing your own hack is not only can you file the serial numbers off of something that already exists, but also look for systems that are less dependent on, like, say, such the deep background knowledge, like, say, D&D, like the world setting and so, mm-hmm. and so forth and so on. So may, perhaps that's why I kind of kept looking at these Powered by Apocalypse games that were had fantasy generated content just because it was so easy to kind of go with them. Yeah. So Patrick, it seems like the more the generic system, the more hackable it is. Is that kind of right? Yeah. I mean, then you sort of get into terms of like, is it quite a hack? But 
uh, I think if we're defining our terms, hack is on the scale of house, like just coming up with a minor house rule to completely throwing out the book and writing your own RPG. A hack is sort of in that middle space. So if if you have a generic system that can theoretically do anything like GURPS is supposed to do, I mean, you're not really, if you have this theoretical perfect, like amorphous blob of an RPG, which whichever part you poke can do something. Yeah, that, that, that theoretically doesn't need hacking. But uh, then you get into questions of, well, it, it could maybe run a little faster. And so let's come up with this little slightly faster resolution mechanic. Uh, or you might have something that's technically generic like Savage Worlds, but still has some assumptions in mind when it comes to genre or, or play style. So, so Savage Worlds is built on the assumption of pulp. And I know that Savage Worlds Horror is, a, is a, an expansion, but let, let's say you're, you're writing and working in a time when that hasn't come out yet. Uh, and you wanted to do a horror game, and the only game you could get your group to play is Savage Worlds, you'd have to hack some horror rules into Savage Worlds. Otherwise, you're not playing a horror game. Yeah. So, like, exactly what Patrick was saying, I'm a big Savage Worlds apologist. So, it's definitely all of the stuff that you play in Savage Worlds, like I said, is very pulp-oriented, but you can play it sci-fi, superheroes. There are some horror stuff. There are some horror things within some of their non like non explicitly horror games like like Deadlands is weird west with like a little bit of horror stuff like that and i think when it comes to like a generic system game like hack is just basically like your homebrew setting and that's kind of what those games are designed to do now if you wanted to like take savage worlds or fate and put it into something that isn't quite its wheelhouse that yeah. would probably be more considered like a a hack hack yeah air quotes i guess in my opinion like mm-hmm. i've had the idea for a while now of a a red market hack but doing it in like a a mordheim warhammer fantasy kind of setting yes. so i would i would take the sort of core mechanics like the core dice mechanics and some of the um like the upkeep and stuff like that, and then kind of port that into a setting that is not like explicitly zombies or horror, though it is going to be horrifying, but is more fantasy survival kind of setting that that deals with like, you know, your group going into like this horrifying dungeon, destroyed city kind of place and fighting off monsters to get the the, the weird magic stones that are worth like a lot of money, that kind of thing. So yeah. That would be more of like a, a hack as opposed to like a rescan or something like that, because we would have to come up with like some some mechanics for like magic and things like that too. Yeah, I mean, um, I've I've sometimes thought about like even within red markets, if you just moved red markets from the US to the UK, you'd have to do some hacking to accommodate things mm-hmm. like guns are going to be harder to get. People aren't going oh, yeah. to be as as well versed in their use, so you're probably going to have to adjust things about that. But that's a very that's a very minor hack. If I wanted to make a red markets game on the third moon of the planet Blorgulon Nine, where everyone is laser guns and it's fighting off a nano swarm, like that's a much more involved hack because you're changing genre, you're changing how a lot of stuff works. Uh, so like there is a there is a a, a spectrum in hacks. Poor Blorgulon Nine, they never stood a chance. <laughs> You know, I wish that someone would have made a hack to where I could play a Tokusatsu character in uh, Savage Worlds, but uh, well, well, Adam, Wait. I might have a book for you. 
Oh, please tell me more. It's called Red Markets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, friend of the show, Kyle, that is his Savage Tokusatsu uh, supplement for Savage Worlds is probably, I think it's getting close to being. It's uh, it's coming out soon-ish. Um, yeah. So uh, Pinnacle Entertainment, the people that put out Savage Worlds, just released a new version of Savage Worlds, which is like streamlined and changed a couple of things. So Kyle and his production team had to go back and change some stuff because there were some stuff changes. There's some changes to like giant creatures and stuff like that, which is a big part of yeah that game. So they had to go back and change some stuff, but they're still on track to release. I think, oh geez, I don't quote me here. I want to say like April, but uh, I am not hundred percent sure you can go um, check out. If you search for Savage Tokusatsu, I'm sure you'll find it. Yeah, it's they'll have it. He's really good about doing the updates because, yeah. you know, speaking of like the hacks and stuff or different settings, not hacks. I've uh, I was looking at that thinking, man, I and I said it before, but I would really love to run a Banner of the Stars ish kind of space opera kind of deal with the Savage Tokusatsu. Yeah, that'd set. be cool. Yeah, I just nice. Gotta, uh, I'm, a, I'm a secret weeb. It's kind of the accent that throws it <laughs> off. I mean, I, I swear every time you drop like some. Some old school weeaboo knowledge. I am always surprised. I just, I, I always forget. I always forget. Sitting there playing Channel A, and you bust out like the most detailed, like appropriate description for a game, and I'm just like, who is this, this, this Kentuckian sitting next to me? He's a Ducky Mouse, yo. <laughs> I'm just a simple country hyper chicken. <laughs> But, well, gentlemen, I appreciate you guys jumping in on this. I hope uh, everybody got as much out of it as I certainly did. Yeah, it was, it was yeah, great. It was fun. So, the reason that I've kind of been so behind times is, A, you know, I had bronchitis and I'm lazy and things like that. But, B, I've been playing a lot of video games and trying to, you know, I buy the goddamn things. I might as well fucking use them. So this is yeah. what I'm doing. So I just want to kind of briefly tell you, you know, do a couple of shout outs of sorts, talk about things that's been going on. And, you know, I sat down, I finally beat Red Dead Redemption 2, and <laughs> I <laughs> went to school the very next day, and I'm the teacher, and I sat down and had a heart-to-heart conversation with three of my students that had beat it, and we all uh, <laughs> kind of, I, you know, I'm 38, almost 39-year-old man, and I'm sitting there telling a seven-year-old boy, like, yeah, I teared up a little bit right there. And then, like, they just look at me like, come on, man. It's like, you got to have a heart. Like, yeah. But, uh, it was a really great game. It's kind of what also made me uh, go ahead and post I, it. I have not finished it yet. I'm still in chapter four, mainly because I've just been not wanting to play anything lately. But yeah, yeah I am, I'm real excited to get back in that game, especially if. See, shh, keep it, keep it secret, listeners. We might be doing some more Savage Worlds Deadlands soon. <laughs> and i haven't played it at all <laughs> you would totally like it I, I played the first one i'm just waiting for the second one to come down in price because like yeah. there's a lot of bad press around rdr2 and i'm like yeah, i should probably like give rockstar relatively little of my money if i can which is weird because they have offices here in leeds so mm. there's look i know how much i'm willing to pay for horseballs okay it's not so <laughs> The, the video game development industry is in a, its own special circle of the capitalist hell we live in. So, 
it's you know i teach a video game design class and we really just stick with 2d games and i you know teach a, like fundamentals of computer science and you should probably games. have a module on unionization <laughs> yes. yes you should I need to. I mean, I've shown them how to write a resume. I've just kind of explained to them that, you know what, you're going to have to pass this around a lot and then get beaten ahead. It, you know, so really, I think it's more my class is less like, hey, kids, let's go make video games and more like an intervention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but anyway, on the video game front, I have been shooting zombies in the head and it's really good. Uh, I've been playing Ooh. the Resident Evil 2 remake. Nice. But have you given it to X yet? Uh, I did, in fact, shoot his fucking hat off and got the achievement for it. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. It's it's really good. It has like it runs on the engine as same engine as seven, so it's all really pretty. And it's like the story of two, but a lot of the in enough of four in the controls, mm-hmm. but with the action e bits dialed back, that it fucks me up. I'm like, oh, I can yeah. keep shooting the zombie in the head, and that means he'll stagger, and I can go and do a six suplex. No, he's just eating me. Okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's much more subdued, like actually scary horror game. Which, hey, yeah, a, a scary like survival horror game in 2019. Like, who would have thunk it? I mean, I know. Yeah, like seven, like knocked it out of the park, and then this one knocks it out of the park like <laughs> there might be life in the franchise yet yeah um there's a lot of uh like i haven't had a chance to play it but i know a bunch of people that it have and they're all very excited about it and the rumors are that three is going to happen as a remake and then um there's a lot of speculation about uh an re8 and like what that might be like mm. but they've uh yeah they've- the the reception for for this has basically guaranteed uh, a three i mean even if it was only okay received, like you can basically just make because because RE three is basically just like the same asset as RE two, except they had a new monster. Like it's really yeah. like retreading a lot of the same ground, so they could just do yeah. that again. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. like give Mister X a few like weird cables and have him go stars. Uh, yeah, like three is literally happens like. What is the three on the island? I thought, no. or which one's mm-hmm. oh, that's, that's Code video. Veronica. Three is oh. um, Nemesis, which is Jill Valentine yeah. in very tactical uh, outfit. Uh, um, yeah. It's it's set coterminous. Her nineties ass tube top, tube top, and like mini skirt. It's like, yep, yeah, that's for fighting zombies. I, I believe that. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it's set at the same time as Resident Evil Two, so you could just do an asset flip really easily. Yeah, and so it would be a lot cheaper to create than. RE2 probably yeah. was. I think it, it literally happens like right before and like during parts of 2 if I remember right. And like she gets, I think she gets out of like Raccoon City like an hour before everybody else does at the end of 2. It's yeah, it's it's nuts what they did with that series. It's, it's been a while since I've seen that. Speaking of people who's played it though, Noah, mm-hmm. you, know who, you know who's played it? Hmm. Me and my daughter. <laughs> yes, those of you at home, my, my six-year-old daughter would not leave me alone two Saturdays ago when I sat down to play a game. I was like, all right, honey. I didn't think it would last very long, but I was just playing the demo I downloaded it. So mm. like, I, I even got the video if you want to check it out. But I've got, like, I couldn't, it's my first time using a Yeti to record like a let's play kind of deal. And I didn't realize the sound was going through to it and so forth and so on. But 
yeah, when the first zombie came out, she stood up and ran out of the chair, ran away from the chair and then kind of came back. And I don't know. It was it was entertaining. We had another thing. I don't think I'll ever play it with her again. We didn't. I didn't get woken up in the middle of the night with daddy. Can you sleep in my bed? The zombies are going to get me. I didn't get that. But like, Aww. I know. But my wife got a kick out of it, too. But yeah, we we had a little fun with the demo. It was cool. Seriously, though, who 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 designed that fucking police station? It gets even more egregious the more photorealistic it gets. So the RPD used to be an art museum that the our, the Raccoon City Police Department moved into, but it's still. I inc- don't know any art museums with secret tunnels hidden under the statues that connect to the I maintenance don't. area. <laughs> I I don't know, man. I'm here to like, clear the plumbing. Please give me the three medallions. Well, Patrick, I was at the Louvre and I did find a shark underneath of it. So you know, there's that. Hey, hey, man, we don't talk about Damien Hurst. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say that, like, you know, Umbrella has had its fingers in all sorts of weird, creepy places. I'm sure they had something to do with some of that. Yeah. <laughs> I do like the thing in Resident Evil 7 where you can find a receipt from the people who built the house and it's the same people who built the Spencer Mansion and that's why it's called mm-hmm. the fucked up keys. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just canon in Resident Evil that there's this bunch of, like, dumbass architects. Yeah, there's uh, this, this weird architectural firm that builds these weird trap houses. Oh, man. Do you think... So are escape rooms huge in the Resident Evil universe or just nothing? Um, well... Because, like, it's either, it's either their game is on point or it's just like so baseline normal that no one bothers. Oh man. I think yeah, I don't think anybody would be into them. I mean, half of like the series happens in like the early like the late 90s, early 2000s, but huh. <laughs> that's a, that's a that's a good one. I definitely think that if if escape rooms became a big thing in the Resident Evil universe, that company would be like gangbusters. They would be on it. <laughs> That would be Neo Umbrella. Yeah, that would be Umbrella too. Yeah. Yeah. So anything you want to talk about, Noah? Yeah, so my friend Kyle, who I do Maple Syrup Blood Money with, is also a RPG writer. Like I said, he's kickstarted Savage Tokusatsu, which you've probably heard uh, on the show. Um, And he actually has a uh, live stream uh, home campaign uh, called Star Streamers, which is a Savage Worlds-based original setting like it's a sci-fi transhumanist alien kind of sci-fi setting that is um it's actually the twitch stream is a stream in universe so the people in the chat and stuff like that can affect stuff that happens in the game nice so you can like donate bits or like if you share or subscribe and stuff like that that gives the players um bonuses or it hindrances Stuff like that. So you should definitely check that out. That should be on twitch.tv slash bestpalbrigade, I believe. Let me... Yeah, I think it's his. We'll include it in the show notes. Yeah, bestpalbrigade. So uh, definitely check it out. Um, I'm not sure what the schedule is currently, but if you just go over to Twitch and subscribe to that feed, you'll get notifications whenever they come up. Um, Yeah, definitely check that out. It's a really cool premise, and... He's such a fun person to watch it run a game mm-hmm. anyway he's, he's just such an animated guy i've, I've watched oh, yeah. their earlier stuff that they've done and it's just it's a great group of people to watch in general yeah they do a bunch of really cool 
campaigns, which are kind of really unique stuff. So you should definitely check them out and support them wherever they publish their stuff, which is mostly drive through. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much. I like I like what we've learned about not only hacks, how to hack, and you know all the great resources that are currently available, but I also learned that I should probably also consider getting one of those outside companies to run a background check for me to see if my identity has been stolen. So might be worth it. Yeah. For those of you out there, you know, we recommend the same. So Noah, it's been a while. Yes. Yes, it has. (laughs) Glad to have you back. And can you at least name one place on the internet that they can find all this great RPX content? Well, uh, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, I believe that is at RP Exchange. The the letter R, the letter P, E X C H A N G E. If I can spell correctly. I hate you did have access to that account, but I hacked the password. So yes, I, I mean I totally forgot what the password was. So I mean I still have access to it right now. Yeah. Um, oh God, dick pics going all up on my phone. <laughs> oh no, it was you. You got J- J- Jeff Bezos' dick pics. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, you can check us out there. I still get notifications from that. So there's occasionally where I'll just get like a whole bunch of notifications on my phone. I'm like, oh, I guess Adam must have posted a new episode. <laughs> he stares off finally at the distance, thinking about the Google meeting that we had and yes. how it started the podcast. And then he's got to check his credit score. Um, also, be sure to uh, share, like, subscribe, uh, give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this. It really helps us get more more notice. Helps yeah, us the, in the, ratings. The, the dark algorithm that fuels most podcatchers. Like, if you like post reviews and talk about it, it puts it in front of more people's faces and they're the, like recommended for you things. So, uh, yeah, you can also support us on Patreon, which is I think Patreon slash Roleplaying Exchange. Uh, if you do that, we have secrets for you, secrets, but you must pay for the secrets. Is the uh, uh, is the the hell out of dodge thing is that patreon only uh, no that was just a preview we as uh, ah. what i what i've been putting on the patreon for those of you interested here's my snake oil salesman pitch uh we basically we do one monthly show beyond the wall patreon where it's just kind of more of a general chat with well it's a guided general chat but a general chat about what's going on in the world and us uh, you can also get the RPX uh, proper episodes posted three days before they hit the feed. So actually, it's because of of listeners like you that I actually adhere to a somewhat regular schedule because I got to have it done three days before so forth. So that's where you saw that. And slowly, as I dig through our resources, I've been finding and posting older campaigns that just never quite made it so uh this month we're actually going to be posting the final recorded session of the dubai reckoning that we started but got derailed on so Mm -hmm. you can find all those unlisted games i I still say i know this is maybe something to do or chat but i keep getting those ads for crazy people netflix and i kind of want to do like if we get enough money to support a subscription a monthly episode just going like ah You hear that? You hear that, listeners? Go back us on Patreon, and we'll uh, review weird, crazy, possibly, probably bad movies off of not Netflix. 
No, of course not Netflix, but yeah, we, we're always looking for new things. And we're actually getting, in the month of March, we're going to be running our second backer-only uh, Patreon game. So get ready to send those surveys out to you folks backing us. But uh, yeah, we'll try to hit something in March. So, so, gentlemen, I think that does it for the evening. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> we didn't think this through. <laughs> See you.